Hello and welcome to Foxed, the practical podcast series from Fox & Partners. In these podcasts, we'll be looking at scenarios from our day-to-day practice, offering solutions to some of the most pressing partnership and employment law questions we hear from our clients. Our goal is to offer a digest of some of today's key issues in a succinct and practical style that we hope you'll find useful and engaging. Today's episode was recorded at the beginning of February 2023 when Fox's Shoshana Bacall caught up with special guest mediator Rachel Bicknell, founder of Squaring Circles, to discuss mediation in the first of two podcasts on the topic. Thanks for listening. Welcome to this episode of Foxed. I'm Shoshana Bacall, a legal director at Fox & Partners specialising in employment and partnership law. Today, I'm going to be chatting to a leading UK mediator, Rachel Bicknell, about mediation as an alternative to litigation to resolving conflicts. In May 2021, independent research was published by ACAS, which estimated that workplace conflict costs UK employers a staggering £28.5 billion every year. That's an average of just over £1,000 for every employee. The research also reported that close to 10 million people experience conflict at work each year. Last summer, the government launched a consultation on increasing the use of mediation, which, amongst other things, proposed a system of compulsory mediation for certain claims. Before I go any further, let me first introduce our guest, Rachel Bicknell. Rachel is a seasoned commercial mediator and founder of Squaring Circles, winner of the National Mediation Awards Newcomer of the Year 2020. She handles disputes across the UK involving a wide range from employment and partnership to professional negligence, real estate and more in between. Rachel is an alumni from the Programme of Negotiation at Harvard Law School and teaches negotiation skills at the School of Law at the University of Aberdeen. And she has well and truly earned her recognition in the Legal 500 as a leading UK mediator. Rachel, thank you for joining me on this episode of Foxed. And thank you to you, Shoshana, and to Fox and Partners for having me along today. It's really great to be here to talk about mediation. Last week, the Centre for Effective Dispute Resolution, CEDA, published its 10th mediation audit, which estimated that when looking at cases that would otherwise have proceeded through litigation, the commercial mediation profession this year will save businesses around £5.9 billion in wasted management time, damaged relationships, lost productivity and legal fees. Mediation is just one of a number of options for alternative methods to resolving disputes, but it is the one that is most commonly used. When we refer to mediation, I imagine that unless you've been involved in one, what springs to mind is the idea of a softer alternative to litigation that involves round tables, cups of coffee, lots of shuttling between rooms and messages being delivered through a mediator behind closed doors. Rachel, what I'm really interested in is hearing your insights from the perspective of the mediator to give our listeners a more accurate reflection of what mediation really is. Yes, well, I'll certainly do my best. It's important that clients as well as their legal advisors have a clear understanding of what mediation is and its benefits. Rachel, we both know that litigating disputes through the courts and tribunals invariably involves disproportionately high costs and immense stress for the parties, winners and losers alike. I regularly explain to clients that litigation is rarely a quick solution and frequently involves a bigger investment of time and money than they first envisaged. 
Often, even when a client succeeds, they can be left exhausted by the litigation process and resentful at the cost, resources and time lost to the process. It's rare for a client to ever enjoy the process of litigation and any feelings of victory are so often clouded by the brutal reality of the experience. Rachel, I think a lot of our listeners will be wondering, what could mediation offer them that litigating through the courts or tribunals doesn't? In other words, what can mediators do that judges can't? Well, first of all, I completely agree with what you say about litigation. Before becoming a mediator, I spent 12 years as a dispute resolution solicitor negotiating and mediating the resolution of a broad range of litigated disputes. And it was my passion for resolving disputes out of court that led to me changing careers. The litigation process very often takes a huge emotional or psychological toll on those who are involved in the dispute. Even if the party is a company or organisation, it's real people that need to deal with the litigation. In contrast, mediation is a flexible, fast and cost-effective way of resolving a dispute. A mediation can usually be set up in a couple of weeks, depending on diaries, and presents an opportunity to reach a full and final settlement on the day of the mediation, at a fraction of the cost of running a trial. For those who haven't been involved in mediation, it's simply an extended form of negotiation, so it's a facilitated negotiation. One of the things that makes mediation so successful is that the parties retain full decision-making power rather than having a decision imposed on them by a judge. So the parties decide whether they want to reach a settlement agreement and what the terms of any settlement look like. The mediator assists that process as the facilitator, so I'm there to broker a deal. But importantly, I do that by empowering the parties to make decisions for themselves. So first and foremost, mediation is a self-determinative process. But it's also an opportunity to find a better outcome. Now, better might mean a better net financial outcome. It might mean that you get what you need and you restore an important business or working relationship. It might mean a more creative way to actually solve the problem, perhaps an outcome that couldn't have been granted by a court or it might mean resolving all the issues that exist between the parties without the need for further court action. We've all had court actions that lead to further litigation. Yeah, absolutely. The benefit of settling all potential claims at once gives parties valuable closure that might not be possible where there are multiple claims spanning across different forums. Rachel, can you give us a sense of the sort of creative solutions you've seen parties come up with at mediation that couldn't be or aren't typically achieved in a court process? Yes, so I've mediated several partnership disputes where the parties have come up with creative ways of separating the business uh, and dividing up the partnership assets and liabilities. Another good example is a family business quasi-partnership breach of trust dispute. Family member A was the sole director and held all the shares in the company and family member B, whilst not a director, was heavily involved in the day-to-day operation of the company. Family member B alleged that 50% of the shares in the company were held in trust for them. No one else was involved in the running of the company. Their relationship had irretrievably broken down to the point they were never going to be able to work together. This was a Scottish dispute, so the only legal remedy available which saw the company continuing to trade was a court order for 50% of the shares to be transferred to family member B. 
that that legal remedy was obviously never going to solve the problem, which was the deadlock in the company. So the parties needed to work together to come up with a more creative way of resolving the dispute. And it was finally agreed that family member A would resign as director, would appoint family member B as the sole director, and would transfer all the shares to family member B as part of a staged buyout. Other examples I've been involved in are intellectual property disputes where parties have negotiated licensing agreements, disputes where former directors of insolvent companies have agreed repayment plans or the transfer of assets and settlement of sums claimed, and breach of contract disputes where the contracts themselves have been renegotiated. Mm, I can see how those scenarios benefited from the flexibility of a mediated solution. What are some of the other reasons why parties might want to avoid court? Well, as we know, there could be many reasons. I suppose my top three are reputation, resources and relationships. Court creates issues for reputation management, as it's obviously a public forum. In contrast, mediation is a confidential and without prejudice process. Yeah, I mean, confidentiality and avoiding the public nature of litigation is usually critical in most disputes. Unlike in the tribunal or courts, in mediation there isn't the public gallery where anyone can sit in on the action and copies of the witness statements aren't available to the public and media, so mediation truly takes place behind closed doors. Yes, it does, and this may be a significant factor because the reputational damage caused by a dispute can be huge. And as we've already said, court action is very time-consuming and draining on client resources. But legal costs aside, do your clients want to be spending hundreds of hours sitting in your offices giving instructions, giving lengthy witness statements, dealing with disclosure requests, or do they want to be growing and scaling their business? As we have seen from the recent CEDAR audit, the costs of litigation by way of wasted management time, lost productivity and damaged relationships are staggering. And when it comes to relationships, litigation is well known for tearing business relationships apart. In mediation, whilst the parties have opposing legal cases, they do need to work together through the mediator to come up with a resolution that works for both or all sides. And through that process, mediation has the potential to restore those relationships and often does. Now, for all those reasons, there is now a real shift in how mediation is perceived and a real drive to promote mediation as being the default way of resolving disputes. So rather than being considered as an alternative dispute resolution method, many advocates of mediation, including the Civil Justice Council and senior judges, are promoting it as the most appropriate way of resolving disputes. And of course, this drive may lead to there being some sort of compulsion to mediate as part of the court process for any disputes, although that's probably a whole different podcast. Yeah, I mean, in recent months, we've seen a lot of discussion on compulsory or mandatory mediation following the Ministry of Justice's consultation last summer on their proposal to introduce a system of automatic referral to a free one-hour mediation appointment for all small claims in the county court before those cases can actually even progress. For people wanting to bring an employment tribunal claim, we've already got a mandatory system in place whereby prospective claimants are required to go through the free ACAS pre-claim conciliation process to obtain a certificate to say they've done so before they can even submit their claim form in the Employment Tribunal. 
However, importantly, it's not actually mandatory to take up the free conciliation service, merely to contact ACAS within the prescribed time period. It's up to the wannabe claimant to then decide if they want to conciliate or just proceed straight to submitting their claim. In my experience, the free ACAS conciliation service is rarely utilised for the more valuable claims involving senior level disputes and often gets abused as a backdoor route to extending the time to submit a claim. I can see there being some real issues if the proposals to mandate mediation are implemented. It's likely to be difficult to assess whether a party has meaningfully engaged with the process or just tick the box, and there will inevitably need to be some quality control and regulation in place when it comes to the choice of mediator. Yes, it will be interesting to see the outcome of that consultation. Like everything, there are pros and cons when it comes to automatic mediation, also sometimes referred to as compulsory or mandatory mediation. I do prefer the term automatic because it mustn't be forgotten that whilst parties may be required to attend automatic mediation, they're never compelled to reach an agreement whilst they're there. The parties will always retain full decision-making power and the right not to reach an agreement. But even without automatic mediation, solicitors must be explaining to their clients the importance of actively considering mediation. Absolutely. And and there's rules in both the Employment Tribunal regulations and the Civil Procedure Rules, which expressly encourage the use of alternative dispute resolution. Litigation should always be a last resort and parties are required to continue to consider the possibility of reaching a settlement even after proceedings have started. The court can even ask parties to provide evidence that they have considered using an alternative dispute resolution process. In some cases, a party's silence in response to an invitation to participate or a refusal to participate might be considered unreasonable by the court and could result in cost consequences. However, some clients do worry that offering to engage in mediation could be viewed as a sign of weakness. Rachel, what do you say to that? Well, I'm sure it won't surprise you to hear that I don't believe any offer of mediation is ever a sign of weakness. And I'd like to think we are finally moving away from that misconception in the UK. Mediation is a commercial negotiation and simply makes good commercial sense. Litigation and business risk exists in every dispute, so there's always a risk that you will lose in a tribunal or a court. Mediation is an opportunity for the clients to explore whether they can find a resolution that eliminates that business or litigation risk on terms that are acceptable to both or all sides. And there can be many reasons for wanting to try and settle a case out of court, such as the uncertainty I've just mentioned, legal costs, both in terms of what it's going to cost to pursue or defend the claim, but also the potential risk of an adverse costs award if they lose as well as those unquantifiable costs we've already mentioned, the wasted management time, lost productivity, distractions from other priorities, the business reputation, team morale and so on. And as those who have been involved in mediation before can testify to, it requires a lot of hard work, preparation uh, and effort from everyone involved. It's certainly not a soft option. Also, interestingly, in the US, the most litigious jurisdiction in the world, mediation is embedded into the legal culture and the civil justice system. I read last year that over 98% of litigated civil and commercial disputes in California are settled by mediation. Now, whilst California is only one of 50 states, 
that same article stated that 55% of all civil and commercial claims in the US are actually filed in California. So I'd be very surprised if anyone in the US considered an offer of mediation as a weakness. Mm -hmm. Interesting. CEDA estimates that in the UK, there's around 17,000 commercial and civil disputes that are mediated every year, excluding the ACAS and the small claims mediations. And in their mediation audit for 2022 released last week, CEDA reported the average success rate, either on the day of mediation or shortly afterwards, was as high as 92%. That's right. CEDA estimates that around 72% of mediated disputes settle on the day, with a further 20% settling in the days following the mediation. Whilst mediation has very high settlement rates, not everything will settle and nor should it. In your experience, are there any unifying features in the successful mediations you've been involved in which stands these apart from the failed mediations? Yes, so the concept of success and failure at mediation is interesting. For me, success does not equal settlement. The mediator is not there to cajole the parties into reaching an agreement. Even where an agreement has not been reached in mediation, rarely, if ever, will the mediation have been a waste of time. At the very least, the clients will have certainty from knowing that they tried their best to reach an agreement and that they now know for sure that court is the last resort. The mediation may have narrowed the issues in dispute or there may have been an agreement reached on certain matters in dispute. Yeah, narrowing the issues in dispute can be very important because it can reduce the court time required for a trial and it can also pave the way for settling the other matters in dispute at a later date. So often, even if a full settlement isn't reached on the day, all isn't lost. Mediated disputes can go on to settle in the days following the mediation when the solicitors have more time to get it over the line. Exactly. Clients rushing into settlements late in the evening can be counterproductive. Sometimes it's better to agree heads of terms at mediation with the details being agreed between solicitors in the following days. I often say to clients that mediation is really a conversation about making decisions For me, the mediator's job is to create a forum conducive to the parties doing three key things. One, looking at things from perspectives that are different to their own, which is a very easy thing to say, but can be a very difficult thing to do. Two, objectively assessing litigation or business risk. And three, considering that alternatives to reaching an agreement. Importantly, This is all with the purpose of empowering the clients to make those well-informed commercial decisions. And that, for me, is a successful mediation. From a negotiation theory perspective, the mediation has not been a success if the parties don't have better alternatives to what is on the table at mediation, and yet they still fail to do a deal, or where one or both of the parties has a better alternative but they do a deal anyway. And in my experience, when that happens, it's almost always either because of a lack of preparation or an underestimation of litigation risk. But if the clients decide they have a better alternative to what can be achieved at mediation, then in my eyes, the process has been a success. Mm, That's very interesting. And how can the parties and their advisors best prepare for a mediation to get the most out of it? That's a really good question because preparation by the parties as well as the mediator is crucial. There are three key things you and your clients can do in the preparation phase of the mediation to make the process as effective and efficient as possible. 
Number one, work with the mediator to prepare for the mediation. The mediator is the architect and manager of the process. So an important part of our role is to offer guidance to the parties for preparing for the mediation and to make judgment calls on things like whether there should be an opening plenary or joint session. If there's going to be an opening plenary session, work with the mediator to make it highly effective and constructive to the process. Remember that negotiation and mediation is a process of persuasion. It's about persuading the person with settlement authority on the other side or sides of the table why it's in their interests to settle. Number two, prepare and share with the mediator your risk assessment. Mediation is an opportunity for the parties to explore whether they can find a resolution that eliminates that litigation risk on terms that are acceptable to all. And I found it to be very helpful if as part of their preparation, the parties produce a reasonable range of outcomes that could be expected from a litigation process. So what are the risks your client will be exposed to if the dispute isn't resolved? What is the risk a judge might rule against your client? And even if you say you have high prospects of success, will your client financially or otherwise be better off reaching a commercial settlement now? But importantly, be objective. Solicitors do their clients no favours by over-egging prospects of success or underestimating litigation risk. Number three, have a negotiation strategy. Remember that mediation is a facilitated negotiation, so come prepared with a negotiation strategy. Of course, remember to allow for flexibility to take into account information shared or disclosed in the mediation, but at least come to it having discussed and considered with your clients an acceptable range of outcomes for us to work with on the day. Don't plan to open negotiations with an offer that will be perceived or might be perceived as being in the insult zone. It's not a good strategy and it's very likely going to have a negative effect on the negotiation. A good way of assessing whether an offer is in the insult zone is to ask yourself, in what way does this offer allow the other side to declare a victory? Thank you. That's an incredibly helpful way of approaching the mediation process and brings us to the end of the first part of this two-part podcast on mediations. In the next part of this podcast, we will look at non-compliance and mediations, the importance of mindset and the role of psychology, when is a good time to mediate, how to use mediation to resolve workplace conflict and conflict competence. We hope you'll join us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Foxed and we hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe via your usual podcast platform or you can find more details at our website, foxlawyers.com.